Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. Well, hello. Thank you so much for joining me in part four. Dude, this is part four of the Declutter Project, and you are kicking butt. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. So maybe you've joined us on part four and you're wondering if you need to listen to part one, part two, and part three. The answer is yes. However, I do think you will find benefit if you just want to listen to this one because we're going to talk about habits. These habits, however are essential in order to make the things that we talked about in parts one, two, and three really stick. So once you're finished listening to this one, please go back and start with episode number one of the Declutter Project, which is episode number 279 of The Shaleen Show. So let's talk habits. As a reminder, habits are a way of making our life easier so that we don't have to think about things. When something's a habit, you just do it. Sometimes just do it mindlessly. You don't have to force yourself to do it. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to even remind yourself to do it. You don't have to set an alarm on your phone. You just do it. It's a habit. And I've talked about how to create habits on many episodes of The Shaleen Show, but just as a quick overview, it's not about repeating it a certain number of days. It's not 21 days. It's not 30 days. It's not 14 days. It's about figuring out where that's stored in your brain and how to create that memory, that automatic pilot reaction when you're triggered by something. So it's anchoring a new habit you want to develop to an existing habit, like brushing your teeth or anything else that's just a habit. So in this episode, I want to talk to you about creating those kind of habits, knowing that it's not just, okay, i got to force myself to repeat this every single day for 30 days, and lo and behold, I will have this habit. You're going to need to go further than that. Now, these habits are something anyone can acquire. It's just practice and then understanding how to set the habit up so that you don't have to think about it. I ask you to begin with the motivation you feel, the reward you get for doing this behavior. The reward we get for brushing our teeth isn't, in fact, that we don't have cavities when we go to the dentist. You would think that would be the reward. Maybe that's one of the rewards. But the reward that gets you to do it day after day is that simple, satisfactory feeling you get when you slide your tongue over your clean teeth. And that kind of grossed out feeling you get when you do it and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to brush my teeth this morning. (laughs) It's horrifying, but it's very rewarding to go, "Mm, yeah, my teeth feel good. Like it's a feel good kind of feeling. Step one with each of the habits I'm going to cover with you here today is for you to really start paying attention every time you do this thing 
to how it makes you feel. So you've got to start rewarding yourself. You've got to be present in your mind to be able to stop and go, well, that felt good. Oh, I just did a great job. And like pat yourself on the back. There's got to be a reward of some sort associated with the behavior, the action that you're trying to turn into a habit, or it just won't stick. The next thing you need to keep in mind is what's the trigger? So you need like, usually it's a mental or a physical or a visual reminder. Sometimes it's a time of the day, walking into a particular room, but there needs to be some type of, oh, I just noticed that and that reminds me to do XYZ habit. Author James Clear in his book, The Power of Habit, which by the way, is also available on Audible and it's a great book. In his book, he calls this loop the reminder, routine, and reward. Or think of the reminder as the trigger. The routine is the thing, the habit. And the reward is how you feel. Like, why do you want to do this? What's in it for you? What would be the reason why this feels good and you need to do it all the time? So again, you're triggered by uh, usually a physical or a visual reminder something. And then there's the, the habit or the action, the thing that you want to do on a regular basis, and then finally paying attention to the reward. Now, you can form a habit like this in less than seven days. I've done it. And it might also take you more than seven days. It might take you 30 days. And the reason why some habits take longer to form than others, basically, is because either your reward isn't strong enough or you haven't tapped into the right reward, or it's not the right trigger. I've noticed this with myself. I've tried to set up a habit. I'm like, man, why isn't this sticking? And why is it I'm still kind of forcing myself to do this? And then I play around with what trigger I'm using. And if I can find the right trigger, I can make the habit stick easier. Okay, let's talk about the habits that will help to keep you decluttered and organized. Habit number one. And this is where it might be useful for you to have listened to episodes one, two, and three, but this habit is to return things to their proper place. And this goes for everything in your office, in your car, in your gym bag, in your bedroom, in your closet, in your kitchen. Everything needs a place first, which we've talked about in a previous episode, specifically part three, everything needs a place and everything needs a place within a defined space. The habit you've got to get into is returning things back to their place, just like the library. When you're done using the vacuum, where does it belong? Where is its place? You just finished cutting coupons. Where do the coupons belong? Where is their space? And within that space, which is usually a room, what is their place? Is it a cupboard? And in that cupboard, you need to return it to their proper place. When you're changing outfits and you're undressing and you're trying something on to see how it looks, when you take that item off, hang it back up. Return clothing items back to their proper place. When you take off your dirty clothes, where do they belong? Not on the floor. They belong in your laundry hamper. When you're done blow-drying your hair, don't leave the blow-dryer out on the counter. Return it to its proper place. Don't just put items down. Don't just stack things on top of each other. Put them in their place. Now, we often skip this step because we think we're saving time. We think, oh, well, I'm short on time. I'm late for work, so I'm just going to try these jeans. Oh, gosh, I hate these jeans. And then you whip them off. They're inside out, and you throw them on the floor. And you think to yourself, I'll just do this later. I mean, 
tomorrow or tonight when I get home, I'll, I'll just hang up this pile of clothes that are now on my floor that I've quickly tried on and I don't want to be late for work, so I don't have time to pick them up. But literally, the amount of time it would take for you to pick up that pair of jeans that you just whipped off and rehang them is this long. Are you ready? Okay, that's how long it took. That was less than eight seconds. Okay, let's double it. Let's just say it took you 16 seconds. Just do it. It's true. A stitch in time saves nine. And more importantly, forget about saving time. It saves your brain. So even though you're out the door and you're on time now for work, how about getting up just a few minutes earlier? And if you've got just a couple of seconds, do it now. Because otherwise, that clutter is in your subconscious all freaking day. And now you've got to come home to it. This is a habit you can create with visual cues. When you see items laying around your house, and this really only works after you've decluttered, which is again why I think you should go back and listen to part one, part two, and maybe even part three. But once you've decluttered, then those things that are not in the right place, they really stand out. They're going to catch your attention. So that's the trigger. You're seeing something that doesn't belong where you're seeing it. That's the trigger. The action or the behavior is returning it to its place. And you've got to get in the habit now of when you pass by something, allowing that to become a trigger, allowing yourself to take note of the fact that that pile of bills doesn't belong on your kitchen counter, that the toys that are strewn about the living room don't belong on the floor at that time. The paint supplies that have made their way into the living room, they don't belong there. Notice them. That's the trigger. And then the action or the habit is returning them to their place, which everything in your home, everything needs a home. Everything needs a place within the space. So get in the habit of returning things when you see that they're not in their place. I mean, you can do this even with toys. You can create a method like with bins where this is the pile of toys that kids can play with now and they can't go get more toys until all of these toys go back in the bin. Bins should be organized by like items. And it's amazing how quick this methodology then becomes a legacy that you pass on to your kids. Like we talked about in a previous episode where the fact that you have one drawer, that most of us have one drawer in our kitchen that holds our flatware, our knives, our forks, and our spoons, that's something that your great-grandmother did your mother did, your grandmother did, now you're doing it and your kids are going to do it. So that is a habit, a legacy that has been passed on, which means any habit, any system, any organizational system can be taught to your children. They can see and feel the benefits of it. That's really important. That's totally different from saying, you need to pick up your toys or I told you to keep your room clean. Like that's not teaching your children to feel the reward of it. We'll talk about that in another episode. But in general, the habit you need to start developing and help your family to develop is when you see something out of place, you return it to its home. That includes keys and gadgets and chargers and any clutter that is not in its place needs to be returned to its home. The next habit I want to talk to you about is one that I learned from an 87-year-old personal training client I had. This is back in the early 90s. I was just starting out as a personal trainer. 
and this family hired me to go and train their mother. She lived in an apartment, not in like an assisted living area. Like she lived in like, you know, like this young, cool kind of Melrose place kind of apartment complex. I'll never forget her. She was so amazing. I loved this woman. She was 87 years old, pretty frail, but tough as nails at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like she was physically pretty strong. But the reason why her family had hired me to train her three times a week wasn't to get ready for bikini season, but to keep her physically active and probably to keep her company. And because this woman loved routine, I was scheduled to show up to her home three days a week, shortly after lunch. And the first couple of times I showed up, she was there washing a plate in her sink. And I remember asking her, you know, what she was doing or if I could help her. And she said, nope, no. And she would just clean that plate and then wipe it dry and put it back in the cupboard. I noticed that her house was immaculate. And I said to her, do you have someone who comes and helps you clean your house? And she said, no, it's just me. And I said, well, that's wonderful. But still, how do you keep it clean? And she said, you do it now. When I eat my sandwich or I have my lunch, I don't leave the plate in the sink. I clean it and I don't let it just sit and dry. I wipe it dry and I put it away. I do it now. That way I don't have to do any of these things later. I do it now. And I just remember that phrase really stuck with me because to that point, and again, I was like in my early 20s, I'd never even thought about that. Everything I had done was like, oh, okay, this is good for now, and, and I'll do this later. That was kind of my mentality, just always like running, 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 and thinking to myself, okay, I'll do that later. Like that was a phrase I always had in my head is, I'll do this later. And she helped me to begin repeating the phrase, do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. Eventually, I had to modify do it now to also sometimes say, start it now. Because what I found is I would think to myself, okay, I need to do my laundry, but I also, I've got to get to work. So if I were to do it now all the way, I wouldn't make it to work on time. So I had to train myself to say, start it now. Even if you can't finish it all right now, start it now because it's going to save you time later. But do it now. Do it now. Start it now which leads me to habit number three, which is some is better than none. So when you're in a rush, you sometimes think to yourself, okay, what's the point? You know, there's this big mess and I don't have time to do all of this and finish this, so I'm gonna do none of it. Great example. This morning, I was getting ready to go to the gym with Brett and I had all of my, you know, face products and lotions and makeup, et cetera, all over the counter. And I realized that I had taken a lot longer than I had intended to. I was listening to an Audible book. And then he was like, hey, are you ready to go? I didn't want to hold him up much longer. And I knew if I cleaned up everything and put everything back in its proper place, that I would keep him waiting for even longer. So rather than just leaving everything there, which is what I would have done in the past, I said to myself, some is better than none. So I thought, okay, give yourself 30 seconds to just get this started. I put as many things back in their place as possible and then kind of moved any remaining items into one neat little pile that I could come back and finish later. Some decluttering is better than none decluttering. Spending 10 minutes getting yourself organized or putting a few things away is better than doing nothing. Do it now. Start it now, and some is better than none. 
I will say what goes hand in hand with these habits is having a system that keeps you on task, keeps your time organized as well. I mean, it's almost impossible to get all areas of your life organized without organizing your time, being better about managing your day, what it is you set out to accomplish each day. Otherwise, what you're responding to is whatever is on fire. It's like whatever is at the boiling point, that's the thing that you're going to deal with, which is often an email or a text message or a phone call or whatever somebody else dictates is important that day. That's why it's so critical that you are the person who decides what's important each day. And you are the person who's responsible for managing your time, which is why you've got to get in the habit of using a day planner. And it's also why I don't recommend you use your phone. I used to recommend that, but our phones are like white noise. We don't even pay attention to them anymore. You know, as a matter of fact, my husband and I were talking about this morning. We said, you know, I wonder why people still use business cards. Why don't we just scan each other's information? And I said, you know why? I know why. Because if I scan your information, it's in my phone. I'm not looking at it again. When it's something physical, when I have to hold on to it, it's a trigger. It's a reminder. And we've gotten to a place in the evolution of technology in our phones where we're really trying to mute out our phones. We realize it's such a complete distraction. There's so many different apps, so many different ways that our phones can take over our lives and our focus that you need a physical trigger, a physical reminder of how to manage your time. And that's why I encourage you to look into the Smart Life Push Journal. It's why it's a physical device. It's a physical trigger. And every day someone says to me, when is the app going to come out? And yes, we are working on an app for it. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you, even once we have the app, I'm still going to encourage you to use a physical trigger because it makes the habit happen. You know, once you've got a a notification going off on your phone to remind you to look at your to-do list or remind you to look at your schedule, before long, you're going to start muting that notification or swiping up on it like you do all other notifications. The Smart Life Push Journal places your agenda, what's important to you, including your nutrition, your sleep, your hydration, the goals you've set for yourself, your daily gratitude, and your master brainstorming list all in the palm of your hand. It's lightweight, it's convenient, it's super crazy simple, it fits in your purse, you can carry it with you, you can have it with you all the time. And the more you get in the habit of holding this Smart Life Push Journal and keeping it with you, trust me, mark my words, the more profound your life will change. Listen to this. Hi, Shalene, this is Bridget. I'm a lifer of yours on Snap, then I listen to your podcast. I have to tell you that I have been using the Smart Life Push Journal since it first came out, and this next iteration has been transformational. Because of this, the me time selection and the journal page that you have in the Smart Life Push Journal, I have journaled and meditated every single day since January 1. And that is huge for me. And it's made such a difference. Like I feel so much more peace and clarity and focus, and I just... I have to thank you. Like that addition, those two changes to the journal have made it such a a key part. This is absolutely the key. So thank you so much. It's made a huge difference. So go check it out, smartlifepushjournal.com. Now we'll move on to my fourth habit for you to develop, and that is to never leave a room empty-handed. 
That means every time you're leaving a room, you're getting up to like leave the room and go upstairs or go into another area of the house. I want you to quickly scan the room and bring anything with you on the way that belongs in the room you're headed towards. So if you notice that there's dirty laundry and you're going to be going past the laundry room, grab the laundry. If there's toys left on the floor that don't belong there and you'll be heading past the area where those toys belong, grab a handful. By doing this, you keep things more organized as you go instead of scheduling the time to do it all at once. My next tip is to remember that each time you let go of something, you're moving forward. So this habit really focuses on the feeling. So let's say you have this necklace. I mean, it's just a cheap necklace. It's costume jewelry. You definitely got its wear out of it, but it's outdated now. You know, it's something people were wearing five years ago. You haven't worn it in four years, but you feel guilty throwing it away. It feels like you're being wasteful. It feels like maybe at some point you could use it again in the future. So you have this guilt associated with throwing it away. What I want you to focus on is instead of the negative, focus on how positive you feel. When you let go of that item, you're able to let go, move forward. And moving forward means evolution. It means you're becoming a better person. So every time you let go of something, I want you to feel that sensation, that pride that you're becoming a better person, more evolved. And if you just, it's so hard for you to let go of these things because of that feeling that it's being wasteful or that somebody could use it, well, then let go of it and give it to somebody else. Put it in a bag for donation, but you have to literally put it in a bag so you don't see it anymore and make a point, schedule it now that it's going to the Salvation Army or whatever secondhand resource maybe even a a woman shelter that you'd like to donate it to. If that's what you need to do, great. I know I haven't talked a lot about that. I think it's a given, right? You just know that anything that's of value, there's probably people who could use it. Problem with that thinking is we never actually give these things to those organizations. We use them as excuses. So throw it away. And if you just can't do that, Then put it in a bag, donate it, and donate it that day. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. The sixth habit to help you stay organized is to have a reset hour. Now, this is an hour which most people suggest you do it at night before you go to sleep. And it's when you kind of reset the entire area that's important to you, whether that's your office or your bathroom, or the coffee table, or maybe it's a whole house, maybe it's a kitchen, whatever it is, it's the area that you know you need this area reset back to perfection. First thing when you wake up in the morning, you see it and it's perfect. Now for a lot of people, that's their kitchen. But I'm going to tell you for me, it's my bathroom, because my bathroom is where I set my triggers for many of my other habits. So I fill up my three water bottles the night before I put two of them by my sink in my bathroom, I place my Smart Life push journal across my sink so that I'm triggered by seeing it there. And I start to fill that out before I brush my teeth. So I've anchored that habit to another pre-existing habit, which is brushing my teeth. And I'm telling you this because in a lot of books that I've read, it suggests that you reset your whole house the night before or that everyone reset their kitchen the night before. But I'm telling you, it doesn't bother me if I wake up in the morning and 
there's dishes in the sink. I don't care. That doesn't does not bother me nearly as much as it will throw me off if my bathroom hasn't been reset. So you decide for you what area needs to be reset and give yourself on your schedule at least an hour of your evening routine to reset that area. Number seven, this habit is about make-believe. So one thing we noticed when we were getting our home ready, thinking about putting it on the market, we knew, okay, we're gonna have a realtor come over and see the house. And now I've watched enough HGTV to know what makes a house look presentable, ready to sell. And (laughs) number one, decluttered. Number two, organized. Number three, it needs to look like nobody lives there, which is kind of funny. Have you ever seen that YouTube video? It's so funny. It's called Company is Coming. Oh my gosh, it is so funny. Okay, so it's this guy, this kid, and he's doing, I think, an impersonation of his own mom and what she's like when she's cleaning the house as if company's coming over. I'm gonna clean the house now, 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 people. I want this place looking like Disney on ice in one minute. Terry, if you haven't made your bed, throw it away. It's too late to make it now. Company is coming. Get rid of the couches. We can't let people know we said the chairs need to be pushed in. There cannot be any sign of living in this house. I don't care if we have to throw everything out. I want this place looking like a new Mediterranean fusion restaurant by noon. We can't have any clothes. Everybody take off your clothes. <laughs> we need a hand towel. What are we, barbarians? Oh my gosh. Every time I watch that, I literally have tears running down my face because A, I've been that mom and I remember my mom being that mom and, you know, that panic that sets in when you know company's coming over. I think the funniest line where she says, we can't, we can't have clothes laying around. There can be no signs of clothes. Everybody take off your clothes. <laughs> It's hysterical. It's true. We want our homes to feel like a museum when people come over, and maybe that's unrealistic. That video is by Chris Fleming. Again, you can find it if you just go to YouTube and type in Company is Coming. Chris is a comedian. He does this whole series that's like loosely based on his mom, I think, or someone. Anyways, the character he's playing, he calls her Gail. (laughs) You need to watch this video. It's very funny. And the reason why I suggested it is because If you just imagine or pretend, make believe in your head that you have company coming over every day while you're gone, you've got like strangers who will be coming through your home, you will leave your house in a completely different state than you do when it just needs to be acceptable for you. And why is a chaotic, out of control, overcluttered mess okay for you? It's not okay for you. It's not a reflection of who you are. It's not the impression you want to make on the world. It's not the impression you want to have of yourself. So just make believe every day when you leave the house, important company will be coming for a visit or strangers are going to be going through your home or just imagine that your house is being listed and it's on an episode of HGTV and the producers and directors and the talented hosts of this show are going to be walking through your house and assessing how well it measures up if you were to put it on the market tomorrow? Like, is it clutter-free? Does it look organized? Is it functional? Are you making best use of the space? So imagine a realtor is touring your home at this very moment. Producers from HGTV are about to walk in your bedroom. Or worse yet, your most critical in-law is about to walk through your bedroom door. Are they going to see your bed made? Or does it look completely disheveled like you did when you woke up this morning? 
The number eight habit I have for you is to make your bed every day. In fact, it's the title of a book by Admiral McRaven, former Navy SEAL, who explains that if you want to change the world, you have to start by doing small things like making your bed. If you make your bed every single morning, as he explains, you've accomplished the first small important task of the day, and that gives you this sense of pride, and it encourages you to do more tasks the right way, one after another after another. And by the end of the day, that one task that you completed may have turned into countless small tasks, but you did the first task, you did it right. So that even by the end of the day, if many things didn't go right, when you finish your day and you're approaching your bed, you're reminded that you did at least one thing right. And it gives you the encouragement to make tomorrow better. Admiral McRaven is now a chancellor at the University of Texas, but he spent 37 years as a Navy SEAL. And then as an admiral, he became the commander of the U.S. Special Operation Forces. In his book, he shares the importance of making his bed every single day, something that he learned as a a Navy SEAL in SEAL training. He said making his bed every day taught him the importance of getting his day off by doing something right. And years later, when he was part of the forces that captured Saddam Hussein in Iraq, he found it very interesting that Saddam Hussein never made his bed. And as he noted, it's that kind of laziness that leads to the downfall of not just a dictator, but many of us. My number nine tip for you is to touch it once. The touch it once habit is very similar to the do it now. In other words, it's learning not to put things off until later. But one of the most important ways to keep yourself accountable with this is not to touch it. Like if you don't have the time to respond to all of your emails, or at least to make some headway in your inbox, then don't open them. It doesn't do you any good other than to distract you and keep you disorganized to start to look at your emails. And I know I'm talking about office productivity right now or just general keeping up with life. But if you don't have time to deal with each one of those emails, then you're looking at them. You're putting them in your subconscious. You're allowing them to detract you and to create a distraction and you won't be able to focus, even though there's nothing you can do with them. So now you're going to have to go back and touch them again later. The same is true of you staying organized in your home. If you pick up a piece of paper or a bill, rather than put it in your file later pile, file it in that moment. Touch it once. If you have time to walk over to the sink and rinse your plate, you've got time to, after rinsing it, put it in the dishwasher. There's no need to make somebody else touch it again later. It's in your hand. Rinse it and put it in the dishwasher. It's time to break the habit of doing things that could and should be done in one step, even though it might take a few extra seconds. It's just a habit. Instead of focusing on how good it feels to have done it quickly, focus on how much better it feels to have done it all the way. You've pulled the trash out of the container under the sink, you've cinched the bag closed, and then you've placed it on the kitchen floor. Why? Touch it once. As soon as you've cinched the bag closed, now walk it down to the dumpster or into its final resting place. My last and final habit for you to develop is one that I call the one to two ratio. If you follow me in social media, you see that I take a girl's trip every year. And one of my friends this year, Jackie Bull, 
shared with us how she had decided to take a one-year sabbatical from shopping. (laughs) I was like, wait a second, now that's aggressive. Slow down, sister. She just felt like God placed it in her heart to be satisfied with the things that she had. I don't know if I could make that same sacrifice. I think I could. The real question is, do I want to? So as kind of a compromise, what I've been doing since January is each time I bring in one new item, I try to make sure two are going out. Now, this might not make sense for you, but if you're a consumer, <laughs> if you if you like the Amazon.com, shall we say, then it's important that anytime something new is coming in, you've got at least two things going out. I call it the one for two. Practice this especially with clothing. It's so easy to just get rid of things around your house that you simply, you don't need them anymore. You have something better or they're just taking up space. I mean, go through your children's clothes as often as you can and just get rid of things that no longer fit. And if they have rips and stains, throw them away. Because by donating things that are damaged to a thrift store or a charitable organization, you don't realize you're actually costing that charitable organization more funds. Someone has to go through and sort those things. And guess what they do with them? They throw them away. You've literally cost them money. If you know it's stained and ripped and tattered and torn, it's not in good condition, throw it away. Do them a favor. If it's not been used or it's still in decent condition, by all means, donate it. But if you're not willing to take the vow of abstinence from shopping, how about we meet in the middle and you practice the one for two. For each new item that comes in your house, two older items go out. I hope you found all of these tips helpful. If your biggest nightmare is your closet, I'd like to recommend a resource for you. It's episodes number 231, How to Have an Organized Closet, and episode number 232, which is part two. I think I entitled it The Smart Closet Makeover. And you'll love these episodes because I am literally recording it from inside my closet, and I walk you through exactly how to start, where to start, and how to get your closet organized. This has been a four-part series. There's two bonus episodes, as I just mentioned, 231 and 232, if you want to hit up your closet. I think we're good for now, but I don't know. I'm going to leave that up to you. If you feel like there's more that I need to help you with, I'm digging the series. In the meantime, I need to hear from you, so leave me your thoughts and your review on iTunes. You can use the iTunes podcast app to leave the review there. If you listen to this podcast on Stitcher or Android or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you're listening to it, you're able to leave a review there. And even if you've already reviewed the show, if you just review this series and tell me specifically what you'd like to have more of, I read those before I go live. And that has had a really big impact on the way that I've developed this series. So please make sure that I hear from you. Please be sure to share this episode with anyone you know who deserves to be clutter-free. And you know what they say, the cornerstone of learning and changing our thinking is repetition. Maybe go back and re-listen to part one, part two, and part three again. I mean, why not? Let's get this stuff to stick. In the meantime, I want you to know I love you. I really do mean that. It means so much to me that you spend this time with me. To know how to reach me, if you look at the show notes for this episode, I have links to every social media platform. Just pick the one that you prefer, and that's how you'll know how to hit me up. And I appreciate hearing from you because you are the bomb.com. I love you. I mean it, and I'll talk to you soon. 
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.